Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Amen. Are you happy this evening? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Take your Bible with me and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We've made it to chapter 11. On Wednesday night, we go verse by verse. You know what happens when you go by verse by verse? You can't skip over anything. I'm going to be honest. I probably would skip over this passage tonight. <laughs> but I can't because you'll tell on me. <laughs> now, nah, it it's going to be a great teaching. The Lord's going to touch us and the Lord's going to guide us. He's going to give us help. And, uh, and uh, you got your seatbelts on, amen? Amen. You don't, you don't have your feelings on your shoulder, right? You don't have it on your shoulder, amen. Let's put it away. Verse 1, reading out the New Living Translations. I am, I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. Now, now notice... In the New Living Translation, it starts in verse 2. Now, I'll explain that in just a minute. I want to back up to verse 1, which it actually has it a part of chapter 10. And most theologians believe that verse 1 concludes more of chapter 10 than, and then a new subject begins or it kind of flows in chapter 11. Now, I, I remind you that this is a letter that was written. Paul didn't sit down and write, okay, verse 1, verse 2, chapter 3, and like that. Chapters and verses were added later for our benefit in order to help us do cross-reference and study and things like that. So you almost have to take these letters and read them as a whole, just like someone was writing a letter to you. So we back up to verse 1, which is actually in the New Living Translation, a part of the previous chapter. Paul says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. So Paul says, hey, I'm so proud of you, but, you know, how many know there's always a butt. Hey, I'm working on a sermon titled, Your Butt's Too Big. I am. I am. <laughs> See, y'all think I'm talking about your rare air dare, but I'm not. B-U-T, your butt. You know, I want to do this butt, you know. We always have that conjunction in there. See, you thought. <laughs> Blessed Jesus. Come on, break it down, Pastor. Let's teach a little bit. You got to relax tonight because <laughs> you just want to relax. Let's read the scripture. <laughs> the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Ain't nobody said amen on that. 
A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, I told you it's, it's, it's going to be a night. If she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. Now, this is a sarcastic statement here that Paul is making. But I want to give some context to it, and it's going to, and it's going to make some sense. Now, how many is not going to be offended tonight? Amen? Amen. Amen. You're determined. Just let the word of God speak to you. Amen? So, yes, if she refuses shaving her head, then she should go ahead and shave all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman... <laughs> To have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. Now, listen, I got up at 3.30 this morning to start working on this sermon. <laughs> a man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. And a woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching. Now, that's a very interesting statement there. Verse 10. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. Now, now that's a key right there. Authority, under authority. Men, you're under authority. Women, you're under authority. Authority is about, is a part of the kingdom of God. There's authority in relationships that we have. And Jesus Christ, while he walked on this earth, he was under the authority of the Father. What did he say? He said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do my Father's will. Now, Jesus was fully God. Jesus, the Word, the Word was God. He was equal with the Father, but notice he was under the authority of the Father. Christ is our example of how we're to live in relationship one with the other. I think there's a problem in our society today with authority. There's a problem in society, in our culture today, with authority. Now, authority is godly. And we must learn to submit one to the other. We must also learn authority in our life as we surrender to the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. So, verse 10, this is very interesting. For this reason... And because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. Now, before you get all offended and say, well, man's going to overexercise authority, listen to what this says. Women are not independent of, of men, and women, men are not independent of women. 
And that's so important. There's balance, and this is what is so important. We want to talk about some cultural issues that Paul is dealing with here in, in just a moment. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Question mark. Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? Now, I may have used, yes. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> Uh, he got a ponytail. It's all right. <laughs> I might have used this as a dad on my teenage son a couple of times. Just saying, I may have. <laughs> so, judge for yourselves. And isn't it long hair, a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, listen to what Paul said. Anybody want to argue about this? I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. So let's pray. How many think we need some wisdom tonight? Amen. We need some wisdom. We, we need some guidance. We need the Holy Spirit to to guide us. Father, I love you. I thank you. I thank you for the word of God. Your word is precious. Your word, all scripture is inspired by God. I thank you, Father, because, Lord, you're speaking to us tonight. God, you're going to talk to us about authority. You're going to talk to us, God, about, about worship and about what really worship is all about. Now, God, open our hearts to receive. And, and Lord, I, I pray that, that Lord, that, that there won't be any offense, but we'll let the word of God speak and bring healing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So, commentators routinely recognize that verses 2 through 16 as one of the most difficult passages in all the New Testament. I can tell you in 32 years of pastoral ministry, I have never preached a sermon from this passage. I've never done verse by verse through the book of Corinthians. But what I love about verse by verse is that God will speak to us a timely word in our life. So at the outset, it's helpful to emphasize what is clear in the passage, namely that each believer should behave and worship in a manner that brings glory and honor to their respective head and bring glory and honor to God. So the fundamental concern relates directly to the main emphasis of the previous section regarding food sacrificed to idols and you had that discussion in chapter 10 all the way to verse 1 of, of chapter 11. And remember, Paul said this, it's important that we seek the good of others in the ultimate pursuit of the glory of God. Now, there's some cultural things that Paul is dealing with in the church of Corinth. 
but there's some transcendent truths that all of us can apply to our life where we are. Now, understand, we believe in women praying and prophesying and being used of the gifts of God. The scripture here is not talking about women not using the gifts, not prophesying. Matter of fact, what we're going to learn is actually what Paul is doing. He's elevating the role of women, even in the body of Christ. And for the first century, now for us in the 21st century, we think, man, this is, this is archaic. But go back 2,100 years ago and think about first century. Think about that and how revolutionary this thought was of women praying in public and prophesying, teaching, and, and, and being used by God. It's a powerful paradigm shift that, was, that, that, that the gospel of Christ was accomplishing in the first century. So, worship withdraws attention to oneself is not worship. And I think this is so important. Worship that draws attention to oneself is not worship. I love freedom in worship. I love to jump, I love to dance, I love to be over here and have my time, but I don't want to draw attention to myself. I believe in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. I believe in God moving in your expression. But when our expression goes over into bringing attention to oneself and not to Christ, then that's a challenge. And that's where correction has to, has to just gently take place. So understand, worship is about the Father. Worship is about the presence of God. Our worship should seek to bring honor and glory to God. So in that context, this is what Paul was talking about in the first century city of Corinth. And we talked about this church being established out of pagan revelry. Now, remember, the city of Corinth has temples to foreign gods, and there is prostitute uh, ritual prostitution that takes place in the temple worship. So literally, you would go to the, to the temple to worship other gods, and there were prostitutes to do any kind of favor there, and it was sanctioned by that that godless religion and many of these new believers came out of that now so we're going to look at that we're going to talk about that and and the shaven head has in relation to do with ritual prostitution temple prostitution so the attention should never be about us the attention should always be about God. Paul did not want the attention to be about one gender or another gender. He wanted the attention, the worship, to be about the Father. 
So our obligation is to bring honor and glory to our head, God the Father. Now, the Life Application Bible Commentary states, this section focuses primarily on proper attitudes and conduct in worship, not on the marriage relationship or on the role of women in the church. While Paul's specific instructions may be cultural, women wearing coverings over their heads in worship, the principles behind his specific instructions are timeless, for they instruct believers to show respect for their spouse and to have reverent behavior in worship. So if a believer's actions offend members and could divide the church, then the believer should change his or her ways to promote church unity. Now, this is so important. So the attitude, so let's bring a, a, a contemporary thought, the attitude of, well, if, 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 if my worship just offends people, then I'm just going to, I don't matter. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Paul is talking about the unity of the church. Yeah, right. That if something you are doing brings offense to someone else, then love says, you know what? I may be free to worship this way, but I want to encourage the unity of the body of Christ, so I'm going to do so in a way that's going to build the unity of the body. So suddenly, someone now is coming under authority, and they're not using their freedom as an occasion just to bring offense for the sake of offense. Now, I'm not talking, we're not talking about somebody not accustomed to a Pentecostal style of worship coming in, and then that Pentecostal style of worship offends them because of their lack of knowledge. We're talking about some cultural things here that in the first century, in Eastern culture, many women had to wear a covering had to wear a headdress. Now, whom the son makes free is free indeed. Many theologians believe what was happening was that in the sake of freedom, that then people were coming to the house of worship, and because they were set free from all these cultural things, then they would just say, you know what, I'm free, and I'm just going to do this. And Paul saying this is causing conflict. It's causing uh, an uproar. It's causing division. And we are people under authority. And true worship flows out of that place of being under authority. Now, think about that in your own personal life, how true worship flows out of that place of being under authority. We're under the authority of Christ. So I'm going to try to talk about three things. I'm going to pray I get through this tonight. Amen. We're going to talk about being an example to follow. We're going to talk about the local church because there's some context here to help us understand this. And then we're going to talk about let's bring glory to God. Now, I love verse one, and I want to make it a part of kind of tonight because it's, it's so important. Paul says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. You should imitate me. Now, the context of that was Paul says, 
I'm not going to do anything that's going to offend my brother. If I know it's offensive to them, even though I'm free to do it, I'm free to partake of it, if it's going to cause them to stumble in their relationship, then I'm not going to do it. And then he follows that up with saying, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We should live in such a way that we can tell others, hey, follow me. Follow how I respond. Follow how my attitude is. Follow how I do things. All of us need to have people that we can say, hey, I want to emulate. I want to be like. I want to I do like that person. But notice, and I, I understand the, 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 the concept of, hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at people. I get that. But notice the context here. Paul says, follow me. And the boundary is, as I follow Christ. The moment he stops following Christ, you stop following them. So you need to have some mentors in your life, some people in your life that are influential in you and really can speak to you. And as they're following Christ, you follow them. But the moment they quit, you quit. You stop. But you and I also need to live in such a way that we can say, hey, come along. Hey, follow my steps because I'm following Jesus. Let's talk about Let's talk about the local church for a moment. The city of Corinth was a city filled with idol worship and temples dedicated for such use. Cultic prostitution was a part of temple worship. An interesting note, my studies have concluded an interesting bit of information. Female prostitutes in temple worship were identified by a shaven head or no head covering. Now things are beginning to look a little bit different. Now it's beginning to give us a little bit of context. Warren Wearsby writes this. The prostitutes wore uh, their hair very short and they did not wear a head covering in public. Their hairstyle and manner announced to others just what they were and what they were offering. So now as you read it with that information, you understand the commotion it was causing in the church of Corinth. People realizing that, hey, I'm free in Christ. And, but, and then they're coming in without a covering, which was culturally acceptable. Cultures change. How many remember way? Now, some of you, you may, I don't want to show your age. How many remember way back in the day you wore a shawl or something like that? You remember that? Does anybody remember that? You don't remember that? You, you remember some of that? I can remember as a kid, my granny, she had long hair. And this image in my mind, her little, her little house as we're staying the night, and she's getting ready for bed, getting her night down, and she's combing this long hair. And she always wore it in a certain fashion. How many remember those days? You remember those? Your bun, yeah, yeah. You, you remember. <laughs> so, but you know what happened? My grandmother reached a certain age. And, and just the physiology of life, the hair began to began, become unmanageable and unhealthy. And she had to cut her hair. You know what she discovered? 
God was still the same with short hair as it was with long hair. And she realized it wasn't something about the length of the hair as it was a relationship of the heart. And what Paul was addressing here is some relationship of the heart issues. There were some cultural things that were taking place and that was relevant to the, the church of Corinth. So, so Paul is addressing some of these things. And Paul is wanting to bring a, 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 a delineation between Christianity and between those of the world. Now, in our culture today, I think one of the challenges is we're trying to be so much like the world and look so much like the world that sometimes it's hard to delineate the difference. So, so Paul's addressing some things here. Now, it's not just when Paul says, Paul says this. <laughs> I just have to chuckle. Verse 14. Some have also concluded that male prostitutes could be identified by their long hair. Verse 14. Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful <laughs> for a man to have long hair? It's funny. Hey, so it's a cultural thing. So Paul says, we need to be different. We probably even need to look a little bit different. And we definitely need to act different. Amen? Where does the world start and stop? And where does the Christian start and stop? And I think that's probably a real question today that we've got to grapple with in our own, our own selves. And to me, it's really not about long hair or short hair. Some of you guys look real good with some long hair. And, and ladies, some of you look very good with short hair. To me, it's not, it's not the hair as it is the heart, as it is the person, as it is the individual. Are we living under authority? And I think this is so important. What we've got to ask ourselves, are we living under authority? Now, what is really liberating in chapter 11 is both men and women are praying and prophesying. Now, praying refers, as noted above, to public prayer during worship. Prophesying refers not just to telling of future events as revealed to a person by God, but also to public speaking about religious truths, witnessing for Christ, and bringing God's word of encouragement to the congregation. Both men and women could do this in the early church. And this is really the emphasis of chapter 11. And it's really liberating because, because this was a paradigm shift in the New Testament church. Other religions of the world subjugate uh, the, the different genders. But depending on what Christianity does, it elevates the role of each one. And that's what's so powerful about Christianity and about the gospel of Christ is it elevates the role of women. 
Philip's daughters. Philip, the evangelist. Listen to this. Acts 21, verse 8 and 9. The next day we went on to Caesarea, stayed at the home of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. So here you see in the New Testament, it was normal for women to be used in the gifts and even the gift of prophecy. Women prophesy and fulfilled the words of Joel the prophet. Joel 2, 28, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Remember, Peter on the day of Pentecost referred to Joel 2, 28. He says, this is that, that Joel prophesied. What you're seeing right now is what Joel talked about. It was a paradigm shift taking place in the first century. And listen to what he says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So the spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit do not discriminate between men and women. And the underlying assumptions and the main emphasis of the passage just kind of help us keep on track. So Paul does not dispute that both men and women pray and prophesy in the public assembly of believers. The gift of prophecy is not gender specific. The main point of verses 2 through 16 has to do with the practice of prayer and prophecy in the Corinthian context in a manner consistent with God's design, which in turn brings glory to the other and ultimately to God. Let me give you a little side note. Let me tell you, the gospel brings hope because the gospel elevates the gospel elevates people's lives and gives meaning and significance to their role. The Christian faith brought freedom and hope to women, to children, and even to, to those called in slavery. It taught that all people, regardless of race or sex, were equal before their creator and that all believers were one in Christ Jesus. And this is why the gospel is so important today. It's the salvation of man. But the gospel enhances the power of the gospel of Christ enhances the lives of those who hear and respond. The local church was perhaps the only fellowship in the Roman Empire that welcomed all people, regardless of nationality, social status, sex, or economic position. So I don't want you to focus on the cultural thing so much as understanding what really has taken place, that the church of Corinth was a place where individuals were elevated. They were called to a higher standard, but their roles were validated. And I think that's what's so important today. There's equality. There's roles. But understand, listen to what Paul writes to the church of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Aren't you thankful God's promise to Abraham belongs to us? Amen? Bring glory to God. 
Let's bring glory to God in how we worship. Let's bring glory to God in the roles that God has given us. Let's bring glory to God as men. Let's bring glory to God as women. Bring glory to the Lord in whatever role you find yourself in. Now, verse 2 says that Paul commended the Corinthian believers' faithfulness to the teaching that he had passed on to them. But apparently, they were facing problems regarding some men and women in worship. And in this area, they were not properly keeping the tradition that Paul had taught. Now, no specifics are given. Now, we know that Paul was responding to a letter that had questions because 1 Corinthians, often he refers to the question you asked or the letter you had written. So this is a response that Paul was given to a specific question that the church asked that they were dealing with right then. And Paul talks about in verse 3, there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So Paul sought to restore order by, by reminding the Corinthians that God had made a difference between men and women, and that each had a proper place in God's economy. And church, I don't know about you, but this is really important today. God makes a difference between men and women. This idea of, of no gender specific is not biblical. Man, you are born man or you're born a woman. It's physiology. Simple. This idea of transgender, this idea of, 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 of taking out and, and putting neutral language and less offensive he, she, and all this, and let a person choose who they want to be, you're talking about confusion, and you're talking about the power of darkness, and you're talking about the enemy really getting a stronghold in people's life. So, in one fact, this teaching is so important because Paul is saying that each had a proper place in God's economy. There is a difference between men. There is a difference between women. And we each have a proper place in God's economy of things. It's about learning to live under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? So there were also appropriate customs that symbolized these relationships and reminded both men and women of their correct places in the divine scheme. Now, Paul did not say or even hint that difference meant inequality or inferiority. Nowhere in the word of God can you find that. Differences in inequality or inferiority. Paul began to answer the Corinthians' questions by first giving them the general principle of how relationships should be regarded in the church. Paul wanted them to realize important facts about relationships as they had been instituted by God. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. 
Now, the words translated head of can mean origin, can be source of, or can mean authority. Traditionally, many scholars have interpreted kafel, head, to be used in the same as exousia, authority. Thus, they take the word to mean chief or person of highest rank. Other scholars see kafel to mean source of life, conveying relational sense, as in the account that man uh, was the source of woman's existence, Genesis 2, 22 through 23. In the language of, of chapter 11 here, verses 9 through 12, the focus is on the relationship. Paul was not concerned, as some have argued, for the submission of women, but rather the, that the completeness or glory of the relationship not be diminished. So how then is Christ the head of every man? There's two ways to consider Christ as the source of life. One is because Christ was present at creation, he's the creator of every man. And secondly, Christ is every believer's source of life in the new creation. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. So most likely, Paul was speaking of believers' spiritual relationship in Christ. So the second meaning is probably more probable. So in the phrase, the head of Christ is God, Paul was not teaching that Christ was inferior to God or lesser in any way, nor was he thinking that Christ was the offspring of God with regard to his eternal being. Paul was referring to the incarnation of Christ. Through Christ coming to earth, believers receive forgiveness and are united with God and with one another. And from this theological base, Paul will address the issue of head coverings. To cover or not to cover. Paul says men are not to cover their head. Now, this was kind of a paradigm shift because in Judaism, men always prayed with a head covering. So imagine, I mean, that was a paradigm shift, shift there. Women were to cover their head. Although the reason for the problem is unknown, we can gather that Paul's concern was that nothing disrupt worship. So that's why most theologians believe this is a cultural issue and not a mandate for women today. That it's a culture, cultural issue that Paul was addressing in the first century church. And the principle is this, don't let things in your life disrupt worship. When Paul was talking to Timothy and talking about church order there, he doesn't bring up women with, with covering. He doesn't mention covering at all. So that's another reason why most theologians believe that this is a, a cultural issue specific for the church of Corinth. Now keep this in mind, they come out of that cultic practice. They come out of that temple practice, and there was temple cultic prostitution taking place. And those who were a part of that were ones that didn't have a covering that shaved their heads. And the males had the long hair. So Paul says, don't let anything disrupt and detract from true worship. So how can we apply this to our life, to our context? If we're doing things to attract attention to ourselves. Instead of 
pointing to worship to God, then that might be a problem. Now, could that be with how you dress? Yes, it could. Could it not be with how you dress? Absolutely. It could be, it could be your manner of, of, of carrying yourself. It could be many things. But the idea is this. Don't let anything detract from the true reason we're here. And that's to worship God. To make room. We just talk about the song, make room. Because if we make room, then God can do something in our life. So I think it's important in our setting to take it less of what one is wearing and and how one looks, short hair, long hair, like that, and really what is it in our life that could detract and disrupt true worship. And then all of us, because we're under authority, would say, I want to remove that. If it's distractive, then I want it gone in my life. Because my purpose in life is to be pleasing to the Lord. And I think that's what we need to take and learn in this situation today. That we don't want anything that's going to disrupt a person from getting to the throne. And in this situation, the church of Corinth, This was bringing a disruption and causing people not to be able to enter in into true worship. So I think a question all of us may ask, and it's a personal question, what is it in my life that could be hindering either me, myself, I, or those around me from really entering in? Because I want to enter in. And I want those around me to enter in. Now, let's look at verse 10 because our time is running out. Angels are watching. Now, this, I don't have really a whole lot of time to go into this, but this is a powerful, powerful concept for this reason. The reason that in that context they were to wear a covering, it says, for this, for this very reason, because we don't want anything to detract from, from the glory of God, from the worship of God. And because angels are watching. Yeah. A woman should wear a covering on her head to show she's under authority. It's important to understand that while the stipulation of head covering is upheld in Corinth, the main point is that these Christian women had an equal status with men because of their union with Christ. They were free in Christ, equal before God, and able to pray and prophesy in the worship service. They were no longer regarded as inferior, which, which would have been their previous status in both Greek and Jewish cultures. So the head covering was not a sign of sub, subjection, but a sign of A woman's willingness to be under the authority of God, just as men are under the authority of Christ. It was proper for women to wear head coverings in the worship of God because the angels would be present during this worship. Now, have this thought. I guess Hebrews 4 or Hebrews 14 talks about how the angels of God are ministering spirits. When we come together, the unseen world is watching. When we come to the house to worship, the unseen world 
is watching our worship. Now, we don't know a whole lot, and it's important to be silent where the word is silent, and only to speak where the word speaks, and not to read more into than what is there. But what is evident is Paul says, the angels are watching. It was Clark. Many years ago, theologian in the 1800s wrote this. He says, in the unseen world, it's like a, 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 a drama is being unplayed here on earth in our worship service. And, and the unseen host of heaven is watching you worship. Now, that's a powerful thought. But if you go back to Isaiah, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he saw the seraphim, you'll also notice that the seraphim with, with twain wings, they covered their eyes, and, and they, twain wings, they did fly, and, and this angelic being. So there was, there was a holiness in them. And Isaiah said, well, I'm a man of unclean lips. Who am I? So we do know that in, in heaven, there's a, a holiness of God. So when we come together in worship, may we not come just anyway. May we come bringing the best of our heart. And I'm not talking about your hairstyle. I'm not talking about your clothing. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about you. The angels are watching. I don't know about you. I want to put on a good show for them. Amen? I want to show them how to worship God. I want to show them how we redeem folk. Worship the Lord. Did you know we sing a song the angels cannot sing? <laughs> We're the redeemed of the Lord. We sing a song. We worship from a different standpoint because we worship from the redeemed. We're going to show them how the redeem worship the Lord. And I'm going to put a show on them because I've been saved, delivered, and set free. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah.